Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be given in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they can be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, don't look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God sees what we do in secret. That's what Jesus tells his disciples in the reading we just heard from Matthew. It's what Jesus tells us multiple times. God sees what we do in secret. And I wonder, how do those words feel to you? Do they sound like good news or bad news? Do they bring relief or anxiety? Do they sound like a promise or feel like a threat? See, when I was in seminary about 30 years ago, one of my professors used to tell us that we can't determine how someone hears something. We just don't have that power. Nobody does. As pastors, we do our best to speak in ways that are clear, open, direct. But most of the time, how someone hears something, or even what they hear, has much more to do with them, who they are how they live, their own insecurities, shame, fears, hopes. Most of the time, what someone hears has more to do with those things and less to do with the actual words spoken. And if you want proof of this, just watch last night's State of the Union address. The same word spoken and one side of the chamber is cheering while the other is arms crossed and grumpy, and a few minutes later, the same word spoken, and the other side is excited while the first side is arms crossed grumpy. 
not always a bad thing, but it's something for us to be aware of. In fact, it can often be a good thing, because in that small space of time, right after a word is spoken, but before it enters our ears and our minds, in that small fraction of time, the Holy Spirit is somehow at work, shaping the words that are spoken so that they become what we need to hear. God sees what we do in secret. We have many people here at Emmanuel who do a lot of good in secret. People who quietly give and serve and care for others in ways that are rarely seen, never for attention, never wanting credit. People who simply give so that a worship platform can be built next to the upper parking lots. People who quietly offer their time each month to go grocery shopping for women and children living in a shelter and trying to escape dangerous situations. People who pour their time and their energy into our congregation doing countless thankless tasks behind the scenes simply for the joy of doing them and because they can do them and because they need to be done and because their faith insists that in such acts, God is glorified and Christ is served. There are many people in our congregation who are doing good without any fanfare or attention and and often without any gratitude offering time and energy to care for adult children, sacrificing sleep and resources to tend to elderly parents, teaching and visiting with those who have been sentenced to prison, giving of themselves because it's right, because life has demanded it. And in this way, I hope these words from Jesus, God sees what we do in secret, are a comfort, a reassurance that they provide strength and endurance, and that they bring a sense of quiet satisfaction and joy God sees, even when nobody else does. And yet I'll say again, God sees what we do in secret. Everything that we do in secret, including the things we hide away because we know they're wrong, the things that cause us shame, or, or worse yet, the things that don't cause us shame but should. God sees the junk with which we fill our minds, the way we've embraced political views that are directly opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, our hardened hearts towards those who are poor, the way we treat and speak to our spouse or our children, the judgmental thoughts we have towards our neighbors, what we look at when we're on the computer, the way we turn our backs on those we consider unclean or undeserving, and all the times we put ourselves, our comfort, our desires, our wants before the needs of others in this world. God sees what we do in secret. Do you see? It's just seven words. But how we hear those words says something about us. Tonight, it's something that God wants us to hear. Nothing is hidden from God. That's what Jesus is saying. 
God doesn't just care about our external actions. God also cares about our motives, our hearts. Growing up, I I heard this phrase all the time, and maybe you heard it too. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, I see all of you. have all heard it. You're nodding. See, I got to hear that comment whenever I made a mistake and was trying to explain that I'd simply made a mistake. And it always bothered me when it was hurled at me because it makes it sound as if our motives don't matter, but they do matter. They matter to God. These words Jesus spoke from Matthew force us to think about our motives, to stop and ask why we do what we do, especially when it comes to the ways we live and practice our faith. God does not care at all about our personal piety or our public acts of righteousness if they are done from a place of hypocrisy or self-righteousness, if they are done for attention or adoration or show. So when you pray, Jesus says, don't do it on the street corner to show everybody how holy you are. Just pray in private because being able to pray is reward enough. Or when you give money to others, he says, don't make a big deal out of it or, or brag about it to demonstrate how amazing and generous you are. Just give. Let that be the reward. Or or really, when you do anything for the sake of your faith, don't display it so that others can see your righteousness. Just do it. And allow the simple act of following God to be enough reward in itself. Our reading from Isaiah that Diana read takes it even further to people who knew lots of Bible verses, who were inheritors of a proud religious tradition, who loved appearing righteous and fasting in public, God asked them, do you know what it is I really care about? It's loosing the bonds of injustice on this earth, undoing yokes that have been placed upon people, setting the oppressed free, breaking bonds that hold others down, sharing bread with the hungry, bringing the homeless poor into your house and clothing the naked. That's what all of our religious practices are supposed to lead to and make possible. And if that's not happening, the prophet Amos says that God doesn't just not care about all our acts of faith and piety. God actually detests and hates them because they are meaningless and empty. God sees what we do in secret. As you know, because you're here tonight, today marks the beginning of the season of Lent. And these next six weeks are a good time to consider why we do what we do to examine our hearts, our minds, our motives, to repent and to turn back to God, to ask forgiveness and pray for God to make us new. We start this season today with what is honestly a really strange day, Ash Wednesday, a day when I as a pastor get to remind you that you're mortal and you're going to (laughs) die. 
when I get to speak these ancient words that God spoke to Adam so long ago, you are dust, and to dust you shall return as dead ashes are smeared on your foreheads. It's a weird day. Last year, because of the pandemic, our service didn't include any ashes. If you remember at that time, we were all worshiping at home and our sanctuary was empty on every Sunday except for a few volunteers. Hundreds of thousands of people from our country had already died from COVID and Pastor Sarah and I just didn't think folks needed another reminder of their own mortality. We already felt it keenly. We still feel it, don't we? Soon the death toll from COVID will pass one million people here in America. The past two years have brought so many reminders of our own mortality. And today, right now, war continues to rage in Ukraine because of Vladimir Putin's unrepentant evil. And we can see the reality of our human frailty, our limitations, our mortality in a world that we clearly cannot control. And so amidst all this, as you leave this service later, we will place ashes on your forehead and speak these ancient words. But please remember what I tell you now that even these ashes are shaped in a cross. And because of this, yes, they're a sign of our humility and our repentance, but they're also a sign of hope and promise and resurrection and defiance in the face of death and evil. When you were baptized, it was a cross that was traced on your forehead with oil, claiming you as a child of God forever. Each time you come to church and join in confession and receive absolution, as we'll do in just a few minutes, it's a cross that the pastor traces in the air. As we worship today, it will be a cross that will be written on your forehead with ashes. And when you die, ashes and dirt will be placed on a casket or an urn, but even they will be traced in the form of a cross because the cross of Christ holds us from the moment we are born in this world until the moment we leave it and beyond. We dare to believe that the cross is good news. We've adopted this sign of ancient torture as a symbol of hope and promise because through the death and resurrection of Christ, God has done something amazing. Through the cross of Christ, death has been conquered. And in his resurrection, the grave has been transformed. And so these ashes will remind us of our mortality, yes, but even they serve the cross. Because even death serves Christ. Guess what I'm trying to say is this. It's not the ashes that get the last word. It's the cross. It's not death that gets the final say. It's God's love. It's not our shortcomings 
and brokenness that speak loudest in our lives is God's forgiveness and grace. You are dust, and to dust you shall return, but fear not, for even the dust belongs to Jesus. And while I can't control what you hear, I pray these words sound like good news to you. Because they are. Thanks be to God. Amen.